But in energy categories, core prices ticked up just 0.1% in April and 2.1% from a year earlier. Please join us for Lou Dobbs tonight at 7 and 11 Eastern on the Fox Business Network. I'm Keith Peters for the Lou Dobbs Financial Report. Well, the night sky should be mostly fair. The afternoon tomorrow, sunshine and partly cloudy. Once again, there's a very remote chance of an isolated shower popping up. Overnight lows of 60s to about 70 tomorrow, near 90 degrees. And again, over the weekend, no major changes. It may see some widely scattered showers on Saturday, a bit more with an approaching weak tropical wave. Then afterwards on Sunday, Mother's Day is partly sunny and dry. Each day over the weekend's highs will be near 90. Starks Mayhawk Festival, a Southeast Tourism Society Top 20 event. Cajun Gospel. Zydeco, an auction, a car and motorcycle show, a parade, kids games, a scavenger hunt, jelly making demonstrations. Thursday through Saturday, May 17th through the 19th. From I-10 exit number 4 to Louisiana 109. Then go north 11 miles to the Starts Mayhawk Festival. More info at visitlakecharles.org. Ralph Sanji, WGSO. Hello, you are listening to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Hebert with Audubon, Louisiana, and I'm in studio. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Jacques. This is Simone Malaz with Restore Retreat, and I am close to the studio. Late again, Simone. I will say that Simone and I both were in the same meeting in Baton Rouge um, earlier today. So clear, there was a lot of traffic, but you know, clearly one of us made it here on time, and one of us I didn't. Use it. <laughs> I could have used a gentle reminder about what time the show starts. Um, we've had a, a, you've been off on vacation. Maybe, maybe I need a vacation. Yeah. Now. Well, I know you have one coming up, but did you miss me? I know. It, I did. I did. You so much happened. Um, and on day one, after you left us, um, everybody was like, when is shop coming back? Aww. Well, <laughs> so I hope you had a nice time with your family, but I am definitely glad that you're back. And don't forget, you can never leave me ever again. <laughs> well, next time I'll just bring you with me, right? And then that yes. way we both get a vacation. Yes. But thank you for holding down the fort and keeping things moving. Um, but I'm excited to be back. And what are we talking about today? Oh, man. Today we've talked about this uh, topic a lot just between me and you. And uh, we have the other Audubon <sighs> in studio Uh-oh. with us. So, yes, yes. So we can we can duke it out and who gets to use the... You know, they have the Ohio State University. Y'all can be like that, the Audubon. Um, but, no, we uh, I had a chance to be on a panel uh, with Lainey McWilliams of, of the Audubon Nature Institute, and um, she just had amazing things to say about things that I already knew but uh, should have known more about, about the conservation efforts of the Nature Institute. So we're so happy to have them in studio today. Yeah, so we're interviewing and speaking to John Fallon, who's Director of Sustainability and Coastal Conservation for the Audubon Nature Institute. Um, so welcome to Delta Dispatches, John. Thanks for having me. So tell us a little so bit about... So oh, John go ahead. to the studio. I was just going to say John made it to the studio. John did make it on time <laughs> to the studio. So you're already uh, winning in, in our book. But um, tell us a little bit about yourself, John. Um, and then also tell us about the other Audubon, the Audubon Nature Institute. Well, are we the other Audubon or are you the other Audubon? I, mean, <laughs> I know, it's up for debate. We'll, we'll, we'll get that figured out by the end of the show. Um, thanks for having me. Uh, my name is John Fallon, and I've been working for Audubon Nature Institute for about 10 years now. 
and uh, I'm in charge of our mostly coastal conservation initiatives and also our uh, kind of larger conservation sustainability goals that we are developing at Audubon Nature Institute right now. Yeah, and I, I was just kind of kidding there. I mean, growing up here, obviously, the zoo, the aquarium, you know, um, all of these iconic places people love and know. And even to this day, when sometimes I've interviewed people for jobs and they come in and they're just like, like, so why do you want to work for Audubon? And they're like, well, I just love the zoo. I love the aquarium. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, we're, we're not them. I'm sorry. But hey, everyone loves it. But you're more than the zoo and the aquarium, right? We are. We are more than the zoo and aquarium. We are a family of uh, multiple campuses throughout New Orleans. Um, so obviously it's our zoo, aquarium, insectarium, theater, uh, our parks that we operate for the public. Um, we've recently reopened our nature center out in Louisiana East. And then I also work out of our West Bank facility, which is our species survival center. So how did you come to work for Audubon Nature Institute and then specifically to do the work that you're doing now? Yeah, so um, I started actually off as a volunteer at Audubon in the husbandry department at the aquarium back in 2007. Uh, came on board through the husbandry department. Um, I guess they liked me so much that they gave me a job. And uh, from there, uh, kind of worked my way up and started on the conservation track. A group of us got together in about 2011 and decided that we needed to have some more publicly facing conservation-minded uh, initiatives coming out of the aquarium. So sustainable seafood was our first thought. And from there, we started uh, our sustainable seafood program, our golf program. And I've been with it ever since. And it's kind of carried me on this track since about 2012. Yeah, and we were talking a little bit about this um, before the show, but I mean, obviously you guys are, are here in Louisiana, you do a lot of work with Louisiana fisheries, but um, it's a, a golf initiative, right? So you're not just uh, exclusive to Louisiana coast. Yes, yeah, we are. Uh, our sustainable seafood program is golf wide. As a team, we have driven from Brownsville, Texas, all the way to Key West, Florida. So we've made the rounds. Um, it's actually funny. You say people mistake your Audubon whenever we get outside of this region. Everyone asks me why the bird people are talking about seafood. I've had signs that literally say Audubon Society on them when we have tables. So I, I feel the pain in, yeah. a, in a yeah. different way. It's, it's a challenge. And then, of course, you get in other places. Um, you know, in Louisiana, I've gone up to St. Francisville, and everything's named Audubon there. You have Audubon Dental, <laughs> Audubon Mechanic, Audubon, I don't know, Elementary. So, you know, obviously, he was a very important person whose legacy continues in many yes. ways. But um, so tell us a little bit about the Nature Center, right? So that's out where you work. But um, tell us a little bit about that facility and kind of what it aims to do. Yeah, so our uh, Louisiana Nature Center that's out in New Orleans East um, recently reopened, got a whole facelift. Um, and it's a great space for kind of urban adventures in nature. So we have walking paths for people, uh, planetarium access educational programs. Um, it's just a really great space for students, families to come and just experience nature without having to go too far outside the city. That's so cool. I, I definitely want to check that out. And I mean, I, I, to think of like all of the wildlife that are, that's right there, you know, and the work that you all do in terms of rehabilitation and stuff. It's great. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely, it's, it's a great facility um, and, and highly recommend everybody get out there and check it out. It's not too far. Yeah. And it's open kind of uh, to the public on most days or? Yeah, it's open to the public uh, on most days. It's free, you know, except for the insectarium or except for the planetarium aspect of it. But you can just go on in and walk around and enjoy the trails. Cool. And 
Um, there's also a partnership with the San Diego Zoo that was recently announced. Is that correct? That is correct. So that's out on the West Bank. That's at our Species Revival Center, and it is the Alliance for Sustainable Wildlife with San Diego Zoo Global. Um, and we've been working on that project for a couple years now, and essentially it is designed to provide more natural breeding habitat for uh, endangered species that we commonly see in zoos. Um, we want to make sure that we have good genetic diversity within populations within zoos for these animals to be able to sustain healthy long-term populations, especially as a lot of these populations are declining in the wild. So this is what we're doing with San Diego. Um, we're putting together these basically large or growing herds of animals that can reproduce naturally um, and be able to kind of populate zoos and contribute to the genetic population. As an example for how big some of these spaces are, this giraffe paddock out there is 45 acres oh my gosh and the zoo uptown is 50. wow so that's the scale we're talking about for these natural habitats it's really awesome it's kind of is it in plaquemines parish or jefferson or it's technically orleans we're like orleans. right oh, okay. on the cusp yeah. it's so crazy to think like right there there are all these like exotic wild animals that are just roaming through our yeah. <laughs> landscape do y'all do a lot of work to the the habitat like i mean in terms of like are there certain species that you know are maybe not uh, wild they're wild or exotic but you know not from here but obviously like our landscape they're like hmm i kind of like it here <laughs> um yeah i think all the animals you know we really didn't do much to that natural environment we pretty much just kind of created our our paddocks in that area but we didn't go in and like create a grassland or anything like okay. that so we tried to keep that natural louisiana forest in place um and a lot of those animals really enjoying it some of them are like swampy forest animals so they are loving it yeah. in those areas that's awesome um and then there's new lion habitat that's uh come uh, on board as well correct yeah so at the zoo we are bringing the roar back the audubon zoo i believe is the tagline that's a great tagline um and uh in 2019 we hope to have a brand new state-of-the-art lion exhibit with uh some great new lions that uh over at audubon zoo so it's been a while since we've had them uh, I think everybody knows that lions are pretty iconic species uh, around the zoo in other ways. So we want to make sure that we have that experience for our guests. That's awesome. And, you know, it's been a while since I've been to the zoo, but, you know, grownups should and can go to the zoo as well. It's Absolutely. not just for children. One of the best birthdays I had, I did the cruise from the aquarium to the zoo and <laughs> got to do both on my birthday. It was the, my parents won on that one. So you should look into that if you're a parent. Um, all right. Well, we're right up against a break. Um, we have so much more to talk about with you, John, if you don't mind staying on. I um, want to dig a little bit more into the golf um, initiative. And then hopefully my co-host will be in studio when we return. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. Um, you're listening to Delta Dispatches on WGSO 990 AM. We'll be right back after the break. Hi, I'm Don Cheadle. Listen up. I want to talk to you about something important, the Environmental Defense Fund. EDF isn't like some of the other environmental groups. EDF works together with those on both sides of the issue. Despite all the fighting in Washington, EDF has found ways for both parties to support real progress. That has made our air and water cleaner and the products in our homes safer. So not only can our planet prosper, so can our future. Go to edf.org to see how you can help. 
National Wildlife Federation gives voices to the wildlife conservation values that are part of our country's heritage. We are charting a new course for wildlife that our children and grandchildren will thank us for. Visit our website, nwf.org Louisiana, to find out more about our work to restore and protect coastal Louisiana for generations to come. National Wildlife Federation, uniting all Americans to ensure wildlife thrive in a rapidly changing world. nwf.org Louisiana. At Audubon, we believe that where birds thrive, people prosper. Nowhere is that more evident than in Louisiana. Integrating science, education, and policy, Audubon, Louisiana's mission is to conserve and restore natural ecosystems, focusing on birds, other wildlife, and their habitats for the benefit of humanity and the Earth's biological diversity. Visit la.audubon.org to learn more and support our mission. la.audubon.org. Restore Retreat is a coastal nonprofit organization working in the heart of the Barataria and Terrebonne Basins, from the Mississippi River to the Atchafalaya. We work every day to restore Louisiana's coast community and culture with our mission of implementing long-term and large-scale projects for our irreplaceable region. We'll hope you join us in supporting the solution. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and online at www.restoreorretreat.org. And we're back. You're listening to Delta Dispatches. I'm Jacques Hebert with Audubon, in Louisiana. And I am Simone Laws with Restore or Retreat. In studio. In studio. See, you know... A little late, but she makes it. And mm-hmm. you know, I would no- wait at the door forever. Nobody will let me in because the show already started. But I would be like, like a minute late. I know. I we I give you a hard time, but you you know, <laughs> I would have, I have no have other to pay co-host. my meter. I have yeah. to pay my meter. That's what takes me the longest. <laughs> I am very happy to be back in studio and happy to welcome our guest. We were talking a little bit offline, but we'll we'll bring that up a little bit. Um, I did get to hear the beginning part of the conversation. Um, I want you to know that both of my kids have had multiple birthday parties at the zoo. <laughs> I, as a child, never got to do the zoo cruise. Thank you very much. And uh, we have a mutual connection in um, Charlotte Bollinger, who is Boise Bollinger's sister, has uh, been part of Restore Retreat for as long as I've been there and actually as long as we've started. So uh, Boise helped bring the roar back. Boise will bring the roar back. We're very thankful to him. Yes. Can we talk about what it would take to get a hippo? What it would take to get a hippo? Yes. So on our last show, we actually learned about what a hippo, what the word means. And um, that's, I think we need a hippo. Um, a very large net. Uh, some <laughs> very strong people. Yeah. Uh, have we ever, had, I think we did have a hippo. We have had a hippo in the past before my time with Audubon. Um, I do love hippos personally. I think mm-hmm. they're great. Are uh, they mean? I think they're mean. Hippos, I believe, kill more people in Africa than any other animal. I remember reading yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I still think we need one though. Uh, yeah, I'll put it on the list. Mm-hmm. Cool. Add it to the wish list. Um, so let's talk a little bit about some of the programs that you run. We talked about, covered the Nature Institute pretty well. Uh, let's talk about uh, sustainable seafood. Yeah. So uh, my main program that I've kind of come up with recently is the Audubon's Gulf United for Lasting Fisheries, or the Audubon Gulf Program. And so it's all about sustainable seafood. And really what our program does is we work with our local seafood industry kind of across the Gulf Coast to make sure that we're taking proper care of that resource. You know, seafood is a huge economic driver down here. It's a cultural driver. 
and also it has that environmental focus, right? We want to protect these species in the wild and also the other species that interact with these fisheries, like sea turtles and marine mammals. We want to make sure that they're being properly handled and taken care of. So sustainable seafood for us is really about sustaining a way of life and wildlife. And that's how we kind of take that approach with our sustainability program. What are some of the, like, uh, I guess, like tools or kind of strategies that you all employ through the program in terms of working with uh you know, fishermen and, and, you know, others in the industry. Restaurants. Restaurants. Yeah. Uh, so we work you know, directly with fishermen, docks, processors, restaurants, some retail. Um, and really a lot of what we do is um, collecting information that might already be out there about what's happening in our fisheries, communicating that, and then also finding where there's maybe gaps where we could either have better information or have better research and, uh, coalescing that into documents. And then also, if we do have gaps, coming up with plans to fill them. So how can we maybe be more sustainable? And overall, we have very well-managed fisheries down here in both the Gulf and in the U.S. We do a really good job science-wise. But there's always ways we can be better, right? And I think a lot of that is just finding the evidence to say that we've been doing good things um, and then communicating that out to the general public. Yeah, I like the way that you said that, that um, you are doing good things, but you have to be able to communicate that. And I think... Uh, now with everybody being so aware, y'all even have an app, right? We we have an app. You gotta have an got app, an app right? for that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we have our, our. We need an app, Jacques. <laughs> no, we don't have an app. <laughs> we have our Audubon Gulf Seafood Guide um, on Apple and Android, uh, and that's just a quick reference. So if you go to the store and you want to know maybe what's in season or some facts about some popular seafood items, then also list all the restaurants we work with. So we work with about thirty restaurants, mostly in nice. Louisiana. Um, we do education with their chefs and their front of house. Um, we just really provide ourselves as a resource for these guys when they're to help them make you know responsible seafood sourcing decisions. Yeah, I mean, obviously that topic has really um, exploded in terms of importance, not just in the last few years, maybe the last decade or more. But it's great to see at so many restaurants, you know, they will very much like are very upfront about like their sustainable practices or where they source their seafood. And obviously in Louisiana, that's so important. We want to buy local, right. And buy from um, sustainably sourced uh, providers. So, yeah. And it's, it's really great to work with the restaurants and the chefs too. I mean, in, in our line of work with coastal, we work with them as well. They're really great ambassadors. Uh, they're really interested. They're really vested in, in the health of the coast. And so uh, we work with a lot of chefs and, and a lot of times they approach us. They want to know more. They love to come out on field trips. Uh, our partner who will be on later on in the show, CRCL, they do their oyster shell recycling program with them. And we found so many willing ambassadors to help us on coastals. So it's nice to hear it, it travels all the way through seafood too as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, chefs are, the statistics about, 70% of people eat seafood outside of the home. And so chefs are really this kind of front line for how people experience seafood. That might be weird if we're from down here, right? We grew up <laughs> eating it, we caught it, or grandpa caught it, whatever. We, everybody knows somebody. But um, for most people who come from most parts of the country, they don't have access like we do. And so when they come even visit us, they just announced, you know, how many people yeah. visited New Orleans in the past mm -hmm. year? They're coming here to eat. Mm -hmm. They're coming here to eat our seafood. They're coming here to experience our chefs. So these guys have a big... Um, responsibility in my mind to communicate through their menus and their cooking, you know, our seafood, the message behind it, supporting local. And that resonates. You buy local shrimp, 
that's helping a family that's maybe 90 minutes away from you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, the chefs definitely are our ambassadors and our celebrities and for good reason. And you don't think about it either, but like for people that come here for the first time, like oh, yeah. oysters and crawfish and all that stuff, they're like, Ugh. you know, it's like, <laughs> it's a weird thing for them. And I'm like, oh yeah, like it's not yeah. an everyday thing that you can just like shuck an oyster and or like right. peel that a craw- crawfish. Right, people other places don't experience that in their home, right? I mean, how many people shuck oysters in their home, you know, to think about that and also to introduce them as uh, new products and, and those kinds of things. So y'all, uh, you mentioned that you find some gaps in, in um, maybe data, those kinds of things. Y'all also sometimes get involved in different projects that mm-hmm. can increase sustainability as well. Yeah. So uh, that's uh, our fishery improvement projects. Uh, BIP. BIP. Be careful saying that. BIP. Okay. Um, <laughs> pretty straightforward fishery improvement <laughs> project so that's where we really work within uh community or stakeholders within a fishery we get together we identify gaps we come up with a plan usually about a five-year plan to move that fishery towards greater sustainability and a lot of that's market driven there's a lot of big companies that are calling for these type of projects so that they'll continue to purchase product walmart cisco kroger um you wouldn't think maybe walmart mm-hmm. but they've been a leader in sustainability for a number of years mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of what we do is getting our fisheries, getting our fisheries, uh, you know, the information and the resources they need to go to those buyers and say, look, we're doing the good, we're doing the right thing, we're being sustainable, and we're trying to achieve uh, your sustainability policy. So what role does like innovation play in all of this? Because I mean, we've had um, uh, ro- uh, folks from Sea Grant on the show yeah. before. I know like CRCL has done some oyster reefs. Um, but you know, you hear about like off bottom oysters and things like that. I mean, is there a role? Do you guys work with fishermen to kind of say like, hey, there's some practices, new, techniques, new yeah, techniques, technology? Right. Yeah. Yeah, we work. Um, there are some, you know, more fishermen always want to find the thing that's going to make their lives easier. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if it happens to also increase sustainability, it's a win-win for everybody. Um, there are gears that we work with fishermen to try to get in their nets and to make sure that when they are installed properly, uh, bycatch reduction devices, turtle excluder devices, especially in the shrimp fishery. You know, we want to make sure that these guys are out there catching what they're targeting and not, you know, accidentally pulling in a sea troll in the net, for example. and our fish- it's easy. Yeah, right. Yeah, and yeah. these guys do a really good job in trying to mitigate that in our fisheries. But one thing we do is we do gear checks. So we go around to docks. I think we've checked almost 100 boats in Louisiana this year, um, shrimp boats, to make sure that their gear is properly installed before they go out shrimping. And cuts down bycatch, cuts down on turtle interactions, and helps them get cleaner shrimp. That's very interesting. And, you know, that... Uh, just kind of underscores why we wanted to bring Audubon Nature Institute on the show. I mean, who knew, right, that y'all would be out there checking boats and checking gear, but uh, it's really great to hear. We do have more to talk about, um, so if you'll stick with us, Sean, we'll hang on through the break. Um, You're listening to Delta Dispatches on WGSO 990 AM. Welcome back. You're listening to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Hebert with Audubon, Louisiana. And I'm Simone Malas with Restore Retreat. It's time for our fun question. Fun question time. We need some, BJ, we need some music next time. We're going to have to come up with some fun question. Um, so uh, we did a little research, and uh, we understand that you moonlight as uh, a dancer. Do you want to talk about that? 
you know, it's, I think it's really at the core that's who I am. Uh-huh. I'd say the Ottoman <laughs> job is more, is more the moonlighting. <laughs> so you are a 610 stomper. You are also a board member. I am. I am a 610 stomper. I'm a board member. Um, I've been in the group since 2011. We talk, we've actually talked about 610 stompers on the show. One of us has, has tried to be a 610 stomper. Um, and oh, he's so, next year. Next <laughs> year. Next year. Um, he was afraid of the parade season this year. It was fun. It was mm-hmm. fun. I would, I, hey, I just recommend doing the audition just to do it because the audition yeah, I think itself you is like fun. Way more, you had way more because your friend was the serious one. And, yeah. Yeah. But we want to know what is your favorite song to dance to? My favorite stomper song to mm-hmm. dance to? Oh, are there two? Are there or more my, than one kind? Well, we have, Ooh, they we have, have their repertoire. We have mm. a whole catalog of yeah. songs. Okay, so favorite song in a parade? Um, one of my favorite songs that we have is, uh, we do a dance of 25 miles, which I just think is a lot of fun, especially when it's like mile five <laughs> of the fifth parade, <laughs> and it's just a good song that gets you going to, to finish strong. Okay, so what other kind of songs would be your favorite, if not, like, is there a song that you like to dance to at your house by yourself when nobody's <laughs> watching? <laughs> um, now, you know, I, I, I like just about it. I, I like a wide variety of music. <laughs> um, I will Footloose, s- admit it. Footloose, you have to like Footloose to be in the <laughs> I just group. Come on, dance. Um, no, you know it's uh, it's funny. We actually have a I have a new team member that started, and uh, we were all working together like out of a coffee shop, and uh, just naturally we'll just start bobbing my head or something. <laughs> so I have an internal rhythm, I think, that is tough to keep in check for too long. So I think that's why the Stompers works for me. Well, Outside of Mardi Gras season, I mean, do you feel like you have pent up like nervous energy? Like, I need well, they were at the Pelicans playoffs game. Yeah. So they got to... Yeah, we perform all year round, so it helps. It helps get the fix. After Mardi Gras, I need a break. I take yeah. a Stompercation. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so y'all are the 28-3 at the Saints game, right? We are. <laughs> we, uh, Ingenious. We are... We are passionate about our local sports teams. We're out there to support them in any way we can. Oh my God. And yeah. and uh, not just here, but all over Macy's uh, Thanksgiving yeah, Day Parade. Yeah. You guys have done that. The Super Bowl of dancing. Yeah, we did. Uh, we've done Macy's twice. Did people look at y'all like, oh my God, this is amazing? Or like, what? did you see some looks? On- I felt like people personally enjoyed my dancing, mm, but I yes. can't speak for the other 80 guys. <laughs> um it's a mixed reaction from the crowd, for sure. But I think by the time all of us go by, they've, they're enjoying themselves. Yeah, amazing. Great fun, great um, fun. Well, glad to... Um, let's get back to your moonlighting job. Yeah, let's, you yeah, let's do the thing that pays the bills. <laughs> um, so another aspect of, of what you do, you know, not to, not to turn pretty serious, but um, it's really important. Y'all have the um, rehabilitation network, right? So tell us about that. Yeah, so we have our Coastal Wildlife Network, and that is our Marine Mammal and Sea Turtle Stranding program. So we are the response partner, uh, really, with the state of Louisiana uh, and rehabilitation arm of uh, making sure that any marine mammal, like a dolphin or a manatee or one of the five species of sea turtles, um, if it is injured or in harm, that we'll take it in, we'll rehabilitate it and try to get back out to the wild. Okay, quiz. Five um, kinds of sea turtles. Um, We have... Kemp's Ridley's, which are what you would most likely see down That's here. That's the one I wouldn't remember. Good job. Greens, um, Hawksbill, mm-hmm. loggerheads. Mm-hmm. And some people think loggerheads are also snapping turtles uh, down uh, here, but they're different. Um, people eat snapping turtles. Here. People do eat snapping turtles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then leatherbacks, which are the huge, deep, 
sea turtle, which we don't really see too often. Very nice. Good job. Um, and marine mammals, you mentioned here, bottlenose dolphins and manatees. Yeah. So they could be injured or stranded. Yeah. So a stranding really means any animal that is uh, kind of in distress. Um, so it could be if it's out and it's tangled in something or it's on the water and it's showing signs of stress or it is beached, which I think is what we commonly think of. Um, LDWF will get a call or someone will call us directly and we respond. So uh, how would people, what is the proper procedure if someone were to find a stranded animal? So the first thing you do is you call somebody. You don't want to go interact with this animal. A lot of these two are endangered species, so there are federal protections on them. So the best thing you can do is you want to call, and the number is actually 504-235-3005, and someone will pick up 24 hours a day. That's great. And they'll coach you through it. Great. Awesome. And then... um, the other things that you can do, though, in general, to make sure that animals, you know, pick up your trash, that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and I think you know, marine debris is, is a huge issue right now, plastics in the ocean. And it's something that you're really going to see Audubon as a whole. I think in the next year, you're going to see us take a much stronger public stance on this type of stuff. No straws. Um, we've already, we're getting rid of straw. We've gotten rid of straws. Mm-hmm. We've eliminated uh, <laughs> plastic bags in our facilities. I think in the past two years, we've eliminated half a million individual pieces of plastic oh, wow. across our facilities. And there's going to be some more stuff. I'm just going to tease it. Nice. But uh, I think by fall 2019, you're going to see a very different Audubon Nature Institute in terms of a leader in conservation in this community. Well, that's great. And we'll, we'd love to have you to come back to talk about it when yeah. you're ready to kind of roll it out. But I mean, it's so important, right? And I remember from being like really little kid and just seeing the images of turtles like wrapped up in the like six pack, you know, whatever that is, the plastic and just being like terrified by that. And so now it's like ingrained in me, like cut the the yeah. six pack, you know, and I know that's something that's so small, but it's like everyone can kind of do something like that and just be aware of like what you're doing when you're using these products. And exactly. And the best thing to do is just not use them in the first place. That's what we really want to try to just transition away from using some of these plastic products um, and finding alternatives. Because if we keep them out of the environment, you know, they can't get there and they can't cause harm. Mm-hmm. Y'all have these really great videos on, on the website. Um, if you look up the, um, the Coastal Wildlife Network and it tells amazing stories about rehabilitated animals. And um, one of the ones that I watched, it was actually caught up in like a fishing line. And, and you don't think about that, but mm-hmm. I'm sure there's, you know, people lose nets and all mm-hmm. kinds of things in fishing lines. And, um, and the person called Wildlife and Fisheries made the right call. And, you know, it's, it was a long road to rehabilitation, but then he was there at the end and, and um, they released the turtle back. And, and he was just saying how um, amazing that was for him because you know, he felt like he did something. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think that is a great success story. And it is a um, is a nice way for you guys to tell that story, too. So there are more. There's not just the one turtle, but they have many, many stories there. Can you tell us again what that um, phone number is so people can have it? And we'll be sure to share it uh, on our social media and networks as well. Yeah, so our stranding hotline is 504-235-3005. Good. And y'all, you said you do work with wildlife and fisheries, um, not just on this project, but also same thing about golf, right? Y'all are good partners with wildlife and fisheries. Yeah, we've been partnering with wildlife and fisheries on a variety of things through the aquarium for a long time. And they've really been kind of our strongest partner on on golf from the start and also with uh, CWN with our stranding network. Yeah, one of those videos that um, 
the gentleman says the uh or the lady says the public are the eyes and ears of the coastal wildlife network and and that's a really Mm -hmm. powerful thing to say so that you can have some help anything else fun you have going on um you guys just had zoo to do did you go i did go to zoo to do it was did you go to zoo to do i did not but i have friends that went and they said it was a great time and you'll have irma don't y'all have irma for mother's day we do. We do. We have Mother's Day coming up. Free admission for mothers. It's a great opportunity to come by and enjoy the zoo for the day. Um, yeah, and so we've got, uh, we also have, there's a big environmental um, initiative coming to town. The UN's coming to town for an environmental conference, wow. and we'll be involved with that, too. It's a bunch of youth leaders. Um, and so I think uh, it's. I think that says a lot that we're getting kind of mm-hmm. things like that coming to New Orleans because if you guys know, you work in mm-hmm. conservation issues, and sometimes that can be a little challenging in the South. So if we're getting some big international attention on these things. I think that shows that we're moving in the right direction down here. I agree. One of the things that Laney and I had an opportunity to talk about was, you know, about partnerships and your partnership with wildlife and fisheries, and and it, you know, that seems to be a trend, a positive trend here in Louisiana and all across the Gulf. Is that uh, unusual suspects are starting to get together and team together, um, and sometimes usual suspects, right? But um, that you know that we are actually more powerful. I don't really do this well, but you do, right? And and so let's get together and and we can work on these things together. So that's a really nice way um, that we can move forward, and and hopefully we'll be able to do some more things uh, with Audubon Nature Institute soon. Do you, can you tell us, you know, Twitter, website, those kinds of things? Share yeah. some info. Yeah, you can uh, obviously AudubonNatureInstitute.org uh, for Audubon Gulf, AudubonGulf.org. And then we're on social media, Audubon Gulf on all the regular channels, you know, where all the kids are. The huge. And be sure to do the zoo aquarium cruise because you will not regret it. I, I don't s- have it anymore. Oh, they don't. Well, <laughs> go to, okay. Go to the aquarium, go to the zoo, and then you can ride the Natchez at some right. point. You can have your own cruise. <laughs> yeah. Make your own cruise. But anyway, such an, uh, a pleasure having you on, John. Yes, it's great to have um, you in the studio, too. Thank you for all the work that you all do. And then, again, Audubon Nature Institute, what an institution, really, yeah. for, for our state and then also for the region. So thank you so much. Um, when we come back, we're going to be talking to Corey Miller about the upcoming State of the Coast Conference. Um, Corey also does some fisheries work, so we'll, we'll pick his brain does on that. some oyster recycling. Yep. So um, we'll be right back after the break. You're listening to Delta Dispatches on WGSO 990 AM. Hello, you are listening to Delta Dispatches on WGSO 990 AM. I'm Jacques Bear with Audubon, Louisiana. And I'm Simone Laws with Restore a Retreat. And you are? About to hear from a good friend <laughs> of ours uh, who, you know, we haven't had on the show, but we're no. so excited to have him on. Um, Corey Miller with the Coalition Restore Coastal Louisiana. Welcome to Delta Dispatches, Corey. Well, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be on, and thanks for everything uh, y'all do for the coast. Oh, and right back at you. In addition to... Being um, community engagement manager for CRCL, Corey is also a fellow Blue Jay. Ah, uh, uh, correct. Yeah. We we didn't know each other in high school, I don't think. But but yeah, big still. school, different tracks, yeah. big yeah, school. Uh, cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. I did not know that. Um, Corey, we are actually in a hot contest to see how many people we can get on our show repeatedly. Alicia's up front. Um, uh, Alex Coker is actually up front, and Jimmy was, and uh, and so what an honor that Jimmy like said, let me Corey Corey needs to be on. He's with 
um, you know, he's doing really doing restoration on Half Shell. You really need to talk to him. So uh, we're glad to have you on. Tell us what is this restoration on the Half Shell? Yeah, sure. So um, we kind of dub it a mini conference experience, and um, it takes place the last day of our two and a half full day State of the Coast conference, um, and that's going to be coming up this June 1st. And essentially what it, it does is it provides an overview of what's going on with coastal restoration, um, and more importantly, what that really means for our communities and our residents. Oh, and I was just going to say, I mean, it seems like, you know, the State of the Coast Conference is obviously approaching and it's a full three days, right? Of, yes. you know, science, engineering, you know, outreach, community engagement, outreach, just yeah. everything. It is the Coastal Conference, right? But this is, yeah. you're really gearing this to people that maybe they don't work in coastal issues. Maybe they don't have a strong familiarity, but they want to learn more. And, and they, you know, it's a good opportunity is kind of like a, your like intro to coastal mm-hmm. in a way, right? Yeah, absolutely. So the the full conference brings in um, usually over a thousand people who typically work forty plus hours a week on these issues, and and it gets into some into the weeds with some very technical sessions and and you know talks about the latest science driving restoration. And so what we what we decided to do last conference and we're continuing um, is on the the last half day of the conference to. Uh, really try to broaden the audience and give an abridged version of really what's going on with our coast. Um, and we do that in a conference setting. It it's, gives them the participants access to the full conference. Um, and we have it set up to where there's two sessions, a session of presentations and then also a session with a panel discussion. So, yes. And, I mean, it seems like there's just so many people who could benefit from this. I mean, we get asked all the time from teachers, you know, how can I learn more about coastal issues and environmental issues? You know, maybe they're wanting to incorporate in a lesson plan, Um, you know, business leaders wanting to know about their, you know, impact, even like realtors and stuff. I mean, how can people, um, you know, sign up for Restoration on the Half Shell? And, um, yeah, give us some of that information. Tickets are still available, correct? Absolutely. Tickets are available. It's uh, $25. And as I mentioned, it's on June 1st. Uh, it takes place from 8 until 1230. And you can visit our website, stateofthecoast.org. And as soon as you go to that website, you'll see uh, right in the middle of the screen a banner that says Restoration on the Half Shell. You can click on that and you can get all of the information and register there. So what can people expect on the day? Um, what's kind of walk us through some of the programming and uh, the agenda? Yeah, so um, so from eight to nine, we have kind of the open house and registration. We'll have a little continental breakfast, so participants get to mingle with uh, the full group of, of conference attendees. Um, they have access to the exhibit hall so they could see some of the, the latest technology that's, that's driving restoration. And uh, at nine o'clock, we kick off with a a session of presentations, and we cover things about the strategy to combat our land loss problems, um, touch on the master plan and, and its implementation. Um, we have Alicia Renfro with National Wildlife Federation uh, presenting the first one, and then Bren Haas with CPRA presenting the second one. Um, then I come up third and, and present on kind of what all of this means for residents and communities looking you know, not just in this generation, but for the kids, grandkids, and, and beyond. Um, and then the final presentation is kind of how the audience can engage and take action, and that's going to be a Colette Pichon battle uh, with the Gulf Coast Center for Law and Policy presenting that. Um, and then we have a 30-minute break. After that, the 
program resumes. Um, and the, the highlight of the second session is going to be an hour discussion with a, a great group of panelists that, that are going to bring kind of a new perspective to this. Y'all have done this in the past too, right, Corey? Y'all did it at State of the Coast uh, two years ago, and then you've also taken it on the road, right? So this is a proven, proven method. Correct. And we tweak it each time to try and to, you know, address some of the feedback that we get from the audience. And uh, this time we're trying to really make it interactive with some some audience electronic polling and, and featuring a couple Fancy. of the other community organizations. So, yeah, we you know, we always challenge ourselves to, to step up the game a little bit each time. So we're really excited. Uh, and, and like I said, we have a diverse set of panelists that represent everything from uh, arts and uh, women and ethnic studies in the city of New Orleans to um, some native uh, uh, chief Dardar from the United Home and Nation uh, to some other folks that represent uh, local fishing interests. Ryan Lambert with Cajun Fishing Adventures is, is going to be on our We've panel. We've had most of these people on the show. Yeah, I was going to say some former <laughs> guests. <laughs> give, us some, yeah. give us some future so. guests, too. So tell us the details again. Uh, the cost, where can you register, and uh, other details like that. Yeah. Um, so, again, you go to stateofthecoast.org. There's, it's all uh, one word. And you'll be able to find all the information that I, I just kind of ran through, plus some more information uh, through that website. You have to click on Restoration on the Half Shell. Uh, it is $25. Um, it runs from 8 a.m. until 12.30 on June the 1st. It's going to be at the New Orleans Convention Center downtown. Um, and we, we uh, encourage people to bring a neighbor, bring a friend, get informed, uh, become engaged on, on these really important issues that affect all of us and not just us, but uh, the next generation that we're handing this coast over to. So uh, it's a great opportunity to, to come kind of figure out what's going on and how people can take action and, and be a part of uh, the solutions moving forward. Absolutely. And Corey, I know you work, we were talking to John Fallon with Audubon Nature Institute about a lot of fishery stuff. I know you work a lot on um, fisheries issues as well as, you know, oyster shell recycling and other programs. So we're almost out of time, but we would love to have you back soon and talk more about um, some of the other stuff that you you work on beyond State of the Coast. Definitely. Um, we do have to ask you a fun question, though, because it's a requirement for all yeah. our guests. So I guess my fun question for you is, if you were a po' boy, what po' boy <laughs> would you be? Ooh, that's a that's a that's a tough tough one. Because it's not one that you want to eat. That, it's one. It oyster was, was the first thing that jumped to mind there. A little um, salty. I, <laughs> you know, soft shell crab gives it a, a good run for its money mm, yeah. because it's, it's so unique and it's such Lofty. a delicacy. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I'm go, I'm going I'm going with a. I'm gonna go with my first answer. Final right answer. I think that's yeah. you know, I think that's a good answer. I I mean mine is go to it's not who I am, but my go to is half trump, half See, that's oyster. That's not what you asked though. I know, I asked who he is. I didn't ask what he So what you're, his you're a peacemaker? You could be a peacemaker. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's what they no, call okay. the I didn't, I didn't know if, if the I can't remember exactly the peacemaker, but I believe it's oysters with uh, some kind of cheese as well as some roast beef debris on mm-hmm. it. Uh, the roast beef oh, and shrimp mm-hmm. at um Parkway. Yeah, yeah, I think that compliments my personality. I, I, I try to bring people together, and I am kind of a peacemaker. So. Yeah, there you go. I agree with that. Well, happy Hawaiian shirt Friday to you, Corey. <laughs> <laughs> Next time you need to come in the studio with us. Thank you for being Absolutely. on. We'll talk about State of the Coast uh, in the future, yeah. and we'll make sure we have those details coming up and talk about it even after. Anything that else? Sounds great. No, no thank- I'd love to be on again. Thank, thank you so Corey. much, Corey. Well, that was All another right. great show. Yep, CPRA um, monthly meeting next week. And State of the Coast is May 30th, 31st, and June 1st. Anything else? No, I think that's it. I mean, it's good to be back. Good to be back. 
Um, thank you all for listening. You can always go online, deltadispatches.org. Please subscribe, um, rate us, uh, you know, Not share with your rate friends. Us pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we only want the good ratings, please. Um, yeah, but thanks for listening. Oh, and congrats to our favorite producer, BJ, Yay! BJ Russ. He has his own radio show Saturdays, 9, 8 to 9 a.m. Saturdays oh, on WGSO 9 a.m. Tune in and we'll see you next week.